All right, Avalanche fans, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening whenever and wherever you may be listening. And thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, bringing you another episode, everything revolving around your Colorado Avalanche. Uh, did not get an opportunity because we've been on a uh, Christmas break, just like most of the NHL teams have, to talk about the game prior to Christmas against the Vegas Golden Knights. So I'll briefly talk about that game. Uh, what else we got? We got some some articles in the uh, out in the interwebs that I would like to mention. Uh, one is a good one. The other two I'm not too happy about. Uh, we'll kind of bring those up and kind of discuss that. And then we'll preview uh, the Friday night game against the division rival Minnesota Wild. But like always, first things first, some housekeeping in the social media network area. Follow me on Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche. On Instagram and Facebook, just search Lockdown Avalanche and send those Gmails or whatever emails to Gmail, LockdownAvalanche at gmail.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, still fighting that cold. Uh, but yeah, send send emails in or, or comment on uh, Twitter, whatever you want to bring up. Questions, comments, concerns. If you think the Av should make some crazy trade, send it to me. I don't care how tra- crazy it is. If you want to include Nathan McKinnon in a trade because you just want me to talk about it on the show and how nuts I think you might be, then go for it. doesn't matter to me. Um, all right, so... Um, Kale McCarr, um, kind of an update on him is that I don't have an update. We got one right before Christmas um, against the game against uh, the Golden Knights that he was traveling with them. And then kind of shortly before the game, maybe a couple hours before the game, they said he was not going to play. And this is kind of like I always use this barometer on an injured player if it was playoff time or if it was, uh, you know, a game that would push you into the playoffs or playoff seeding or something like that would he have played I get the feeling that he would have they said you know they're going to give him this break knowing that the Christmas break was coming up they were going to give him this break and then kind of reevaluate him for the Friday game against Minnesota as of this recording which is Thursday night um, there hasn't been anything today about what's going to go on with him but I would venture to guess tomorrow morning um, maybe early afternoon, we might hear something to the effect of that he will play. That's just my gut feeling based on what they were saying against the Vegas, against when the Colorado was playing Vegas, that he could have played, but they're just going to hold him out for precaution. So my guess is we might see Kale McCarr back um, against Minnesota, which would be great because we need revenge on those guys. It's a division game. She's playing a little bit better. They've gotten out of the cellar. Um, the Blackhawks have helped them get out of the cellar, but Minnesota is winning more games now. So um, you should never take any division rival lightly. And Minnesota, you know, pretty much stuck it to Colorado last time they played. So Colorado wants some payback, then get Kel McCarr back and kind of make sure you you kind of really twist that knife um, with McCarr as your D. So that Vegas game, pretty good, wasn't it? Um Avs needed that. You you want that victory, and you want that victory the way they had it. Just really no no real doubt about it. Uh, they were the the aggressor for the second time against Vegas. Uh, the first time that these two teams played, Vegas looked lost. 
they looked just out of sync and they kind of looked that way again at times. And maybe this is just Colorado's team to beat, you know, when Colorado is not playing well against uh, St. Louis and St. Louis just has the abs number right now. And maybe this is a new trend for the abs against the, the golden Knights. Maybe that's just the team for whatever reason they stick it to them. Um, and they're a good team. They're a solid team. But Colorado, two games now this season, has really just looked impressive against Vegas. If I had given you the opportunity at the beginning of the season to say which player on this current Avalanche roster would get a Gordie Howe hat trick, <coughs> excuse me, I don't think you would have Val Nechuskin anywhere near the top. I'm not saying you'd have him on the very bottom, but he would be pretty close to the very bottom. Um, I think you're going to put players like Zadorov up there. Uh, the, the thing with the Gordie Howe hat trick is is the fight part. <laughs> Anybody can get the, the point part, but not everybody fights. So, yeah, you're going to pick guys like uh, Zadorov. You'd even put Gabe Landeskog in there. You would even put Nathan McKinnon in there just because he scores so much and he's he's an aggressor. He doesn't really back down from anybody. Uh, you may throw you know finish off with the big three, even Rantanen um, in your second line. Um, maybe, maybe not your second line, but maybe players below that. Definitely Kadri. You know what I mean? Like those type of players. I don't think you're putting Val Nechuskin anywhere near the top of someone who can get a Gordie Howe hat trick. But he did it. <laughs> His fight um, was not a, a pretty thing. It was not a sweet science of of boxing. Um, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, he is not. He kind of took the beating end of that, that feat. But, hey, he, he stuck up for himself and, um, you know, mixed it up. Good for you. And then obviously had the assist. And then the the goal was, wow. Um, right off the dome. I think it was almost right off his visor. Um, so thank God he's a player that wears a visor. But you'll take him any way you can get him. And uh, he, he continues to impress. So um, Avalanche, let's see, we had... Let's see who started the scoring. Oh, yeah, it was uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar. Once again, facing his old team and looking very, very good. Um, I think he would want to play these guys every single day because what, you know... it. Players do that when they play their old team. They get they get pepped up a little bit more, and he seems to absolutely have done that for two games now against his old team. Uh, two goals in this one. Who else had two goals? I think uh, Kadri had two goals. Am I right in that? Uh, nope, just one goal for Kadri. But um, Belmar with two goals. Nieto with the shorthanded goal, which was really good. Matt, Matt Nieto's got some speed um, that's kind of underrated, so he kind of broke away. On a nice pass from come uh, from Comfer for a shorthanded goal, which that put them up two to one, and and obviously you know Vegas was on this power play, tied at one, and you know killing the power play obviously would have been good enough, but getting a shorthanded goal at that period of time um, was huge, and then Kadri with a really nice goal only a few minutes later to put them up three to one by the end of the first period. So you went from tied Vegas on a power play to being up three to one, you know, within minutes. 
and the and that first goal by Belmar was it was almost like watching almost like like Nathan McKinnon that that move was so pretty and a backhand that had some life on it um just overall really solid sound game uh they needed it you always want to go into the to the short break the christmas break uh with a win and that's exactly what colorado did and we cannot not talk about this game without talking about the play of Pavel Francouz, especially that one save he had when uh, Colorado was actually on the power play. And um, I, I don't remember who made the shot on Vegas, but he just stuck his mid out and just did kind of like this spin move, like like a shortstop, you know, when they, they, they short hop it and kind of like make a spin. Wow. Uh, that is a goal you will see at the end of the year when all of these websites and, and hockey stations are doing their top saves of the year. I'm not going to say it's the, the save of the year over every single save that we've seen, but it is up there. What a save by this guy. And we'll talk a little bit later before I preview the, uh, the wild game for tonight's game about is he the number one guy now? I think what's his record over the last 11 games? I think he's 10-0-1 over the last 11 games. That that puts pressure on your coaching staff to try and sit him, <laughs> try and sit him, and then if if you know your your supposed number one goalie um, is is not up to the task that day, I mean I think he's going to have a, a quick hook. I don't know who's starting tomorrow, um, but if it's not Francois, I think he will be at the edge of his seat, ready to go in if the Avs kind of get behind quick. Um, I, I think you play the guy. We'll wait. I'm going to wait and talk about this until we do, um, the wild preview. So, um, yeah, that's coming up a little bit later, but next we're going to talk about a couple articles out there floating around on the internet, which, uh, like I said, one will make you happy. The other two, not so much. All right. So welcome back. And, uh, like I said before, um, we're going to talk about a couple news articles out there right now. And I'll start with the good, um, the score, which is owned by Yahoo came out with five predictions for the rest of, uh, for, for the 2020 season. So it's a combination of the rest of the season and going into next year. And, um, they had five predictions. One of them, they, they predict where Taylor Hall will go. And they say that he will sign with the Bruins. Um, I'm not going to really argue that or anything could happen in that aspect. But I think Taylor Hall is just going to be that guy that everybody's going to talk about, even if he's going, he, you know, he's going to be the prize possession in the off season. So people are going to talk about him, whether they are really, he is really attached to their team or not. And I think because the abs were involved with him or it was so thought that the abs were going to try to bring him in in the off season. I think they're going to be attached to him again, come this offseason, maybe not to the capacity of a trade that could have happened midseason, but once you're connected to that player, whether like it's how the Avalanche were um, in a, a short trade agreement for him, and then when it kicks into the offseason, you're still going to be attached to him. So do I think the Avalanche are going to sign him in the offseason? I don't, not by what his, his uh, demand is going to be. 
Um, and I don't think the Avs are going to be willing to pay anywhere near what he wants, knowing the contracts that they have coming up, namely Nathan McKinnon, even though he's a few se- more seasons away. Um, but the one thing that they do talk about, and this was their their very first prediction, is that they predict the Avs will win the Stanley Cup. And it's a pretty interesting reason why. So I'll just read. It's a, a brief blurb. Um, it says, it's quite remarkable where the Avalanche stand despite missing core players like Miko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog for 16 games apiece. More recently, the club has had to overcome the absence of rookie Kale McCarr, everything that we know. So, uh, But the Avs continue to win with Nathan McKinnon leading the way. If they can get fully healthy heading into the playoffs, the Avalanche will be a force with speed, skill, depth, and grit in equal doses. With ample cap space... And Prospect Capital, General Manager Joe Sackick, possesses the ammunition to make a big trade deadline splash, too. That remains to be seen if that will actually happen. This season, the Western Conference seems like it will prove an easier path to the Stanley Cup. The St. Louis Blues pose the biggest threat in the West, but if Colorado can get past the defending champs, no club in the Pacific Division can stop this team. And with the Eastern Conference loaded with talented squads, making it difficult to pick a champion from that group... The Avs, therefore, are the safest Stanley Cup pick right now. And I can't argue that. Um, If you look at kind of divisions here, other than St. Louis, they bring up a really good point. This this might be a two-headed dog fight between St. Louis and Colorado. Are they in a collision course for the Western Division or the Western Conference Championship? It would appear so. Obviously, anything is possible. Avs fans know that firsthand when they were the eight seed and beat the number one seed Calgary last year. But who real if if these two teams play their game, they should be meeting in the conference final. Um, you know, you have the Jets are up there, the Stars are up there, Predators are playing a little bit better, well, the Wild are playing a little bit better. Chicago is is kind of falling apart in the Pacific. Arizona, Vegas. Edmonton, who's kind of fading fast. Calgary is doing a little bit better. And and then you got Vancouver, and then it drops off to the Ducks, Sharks, and Kings. That's not like the the the, the West has, has been good for a very long time, and it's been good for all of those eight teams that get in. And Colorado proved it last year, can can win any round. Of course, that's true every year, but for some reason, it seems like there's a separation between the Blues and the Avalanche and everybody else. Whereas in the East, that's going to be cutthroat. You got Boston, and and then there's a drop-off from Boston in terms of points, but in terms of talent, it's all there between the Maple Leafs, Canadians, you know, the Panthers are playing pretty well, and then in in the Eastern Metro Division... Obviously, you got Washington. Islanders are, are are still playing well. I think a lot of people are expecting them to drop off after that seventeen game uh, or seventeen point or seventeen game point streak. There we go. Um, Flyers are doing well. You can never count out Pittsburgh. Carolina is a very good team. Yeah, this article's right. The, like the the Eastern Conference is going to duke it out, and you would think it should be between St. Louis and Colorado in the West. And maybe, you know, there's some got to be some luck involved. Maybe whoever plays, whoever makes, let's just say it's Colorado. Let's say Colorado makes it to the Stanley Cup final. They might be playing a beaten up and bruised team no matter who it is in the Eastern Conference because those teams, there's a lot of teams there that can 
that can get after it. So that really, really should be an interesting development um, as the season goes on. So, all right, now we'll get to NBC Sports. And I had praised NBC Sports uh, the past couple weeks because they were the only website putting Colorado up to number two when I do the power ranking segment. Um, everybody else had Colorado three, four, or five, and all of them had them below Boston, which is the point that irked me. Um, but NBC Sports was the only one who didn't. It was always Washington, Colorado, and they had that, I think, that for two weeks straight. But now we have two articles here. One might kind of irk you a little bit. The other one will definitely irk you. So I'll save that one for a second. The first one is they they ranked the best players of the decade. Everybody's doing these decade because we're coming up to you know a new year and a whole new decade. So no matter what you're looking at, any article for any sport or any movie or television show, everybody's doing the best of the decade. So NBC Sports decided to do their best players of the decade, and I will. They, they break them up. There is, there's twenty in total, and then they break them up. So they they do you know the elites, the second tier elites, and the rest of the best. So I will shoot through them real quickly. Um, and as far as the elites, number one Sidney Crosby, number two Alex Ovechkin, number three Eric Carlson. Number four, Patrice Bergeron. Number five, Connor McDavid. As we get into the second tier elites, number six, Evgeny Malkin. Seven, Henrik Lundqvist. Eight, Anze Kopitar. Nine, Steven Stamkos. Ten, Zdeno Chara. The best of the rest. Number 11, Victor Hedman. Number 12, Duncan Keith. 11, or excuse me, 12, Duncan Keith. 13, Nicholas Backstrom. 14, Jonathan Taves. 15, Patrick Kane. 16, Brad Marchand. 17, Drew Doughty. 18, Claude Drew, 19, Carey Price, 20, P.K. Subran, Subban. And then there is a just missing as, you know, consolation prizes. And the first player listed in the just missing is Nathan McKinnon. And I just want to know what did he not do to just miss? I think you, you, has he had every single season he's been in the league, um, what he is now, no, but he had a he had a very good rookie season and then tailed off for maybe two seasons, which okay, that's fine. But these last few seasons, he has been a, a top two or three player in the league. And to not put him in here, you don't have to put him in the elites, you don't have to put him with Sidney Crosby. I would even argue, I, I don't know why you're putting Connor McDavid in with the elites. I mean, he is an elite player today. But if you want, if you're taking the entire decade, he's only played half the decade, which is, you know, uh, Nathan McKinnon has played a little bit more than half the decade. And to not put him in this list anywhere is kind of baffling to me. Um, there's other players that should be in here too. Don't get me wrong, but this is an avalanche show. So I'm going to focus on, uh, Nathan McKinnon. Um, I, I think, I think putting PK Subban in here is kind of name recognition, I think Drew Doughty, yeah, I mean, he had a two or three game or a two or three year run where he was a, a, a solid player, but man, to, to not put Nathan McKinnon in here 
Maybe it's just because of the overall or lack of success. But I mean, if you want to take that into account as well, having one of the worst seasons in NHL history, and then the next season you're in the playoffs, and he is one of the main reasons why you have to kind of take that into account too. If you want to blame him for the the bad season, you have to give him credit for all the good seasons that, and then this turnaround that Avalanche have had. So a little a little ridiculous in, in my maybe skewed view, but if I didn't think he would be in there, I, I wouldn't even be bringing this this uh, article up. I would just let it go and say, yeah, they're right. He doesn't deserve to be in there. Um, but I think more than anything, he he definitely deserves to be in that list, somewhere in that list. Now, here's the one that, to me, makes zero sense in the world. NBC also NBC Sports also did a decade in review of the most significant trades in hockey. Now, if I am going to talk to anybody about hockey trades over the last decade, maybe even in the last five years, you are going to bring up the Matt Duchesne deal. It's impossible not to. And once again, NBC Sports has broken down their trades into different kind of categories. So they have one for uh, the best hockey trades. They have one, as I'm scrolling down, one-sided trades. And then the last category is franchise-altering maneuvers. You could put that Matt Duchesne trade in any one of those three categories, and they are in none. You could easily put them in best hockey trades, easily. And let me tell you what the best hockey trades are. They listed Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson, Martin St. Louis for Ryan Callahan, um, and the Flames sending Dougie Hamilton to the Hurricanes for five players. You want to tell me the Matt Duchesne trade doesn't stack up to any of those? The haul that the Avalanche got doesn't stand in any of those? And in the one-sided category? Let me get to that. Bruin ship Tyler Sagan to Dallas. Capital send Philip Forsberg to Nashville for Martin Ira. I get that one. Uh, Ben Bishop for Corey Concher. Okay. Uh, Griffin Reinhardt to Edmonton. Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Brent Burtz to the Sharks. Okay, fine. Once again, it was a one-sided deal all in the Avalanche favor. What Matt Duchesne is not with um, Ottawa anymore. Obviously, the Predators were involved in that deal. Matt Duchesne is now playing for the Predators, so it it didn't benefit Ottawa at all. It was terrible for Ottawa. Uh, we got Kale McCarr because of that, and, and it's just the the haul for that trade is insanely one sided. It is way more one sided than anything listed here. And as far as franchise altering, Colorado Avalanche have set themselves up for the next at least five years, and that's being modest. Because of this singular deal. Um, For one-sided deals, they put Penguins acquire Phil Kessel. I mean, yeah, he helped them with Stanley Cup, but it wasn't like this most acrimonious 
relationship that the two of them have. TJ Oshie to the Capitals. I don't know. Blue, Blue, Blues acquire Ryan and O'Reilly. And the PK Subban for Shea Weber. How's that franchise altering? Like, who's writing this stuff? I don't know. I, 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 some some of these, yeah, I get that they're in there. But if you really wanted to make a splash with this article, you put that trade in for all three of those categories. Because that's the only trade where all three of those categories, best trades, easily for Colorado. One-sided, easily for Colorado. Franchise altering, not even a question for Colorado. So... Maybe this is just where the Avalanche just don't get the notoriety um, out there in the hockey world that they should. And, uh, you know, maybe winning a Stanley Cup will kind of put the rest of these writers um, on notice to say, like, hey, don't forget about this team over in Denver because they're they're pretty freaking good. All right. Now that I am uh, settled down a little bit and. And like I said, all that stuff is trivial, but it just kind of irks me when <clears throat> there's a clear, clear item that should be listed on there and is not. And then when it's your team, you get a little bit riled up too. So anyway, all right, one more order of business to take care of today. And that is the Avalanche game tonight against Minnesota. And it would be nice to get back at these guys for the loss that the Avalanche suffered to them. That was the last game of that six game. No, not six game three. I don't remember what it was. It was a road trip. Um, it, I know it was the last game of that road trip. And uh, the Avalanche lost 3-2 to two to the Wild. And since then, the Wild have been playing much better. Right now, the record stands at 18-15-5. 41 points total. They are one point behind Nashville. Um, and they've beaten some pretty good teams. And some, you know, they, they, they kind of got on a run. After the Avalanche game, they lost to the Bruins. They lost to the Rangers. Um, and then they went on a run where they beat the Devils, okay, Senators, okay. They beat the Stars, the Panthers, Lightning. That was a five-game winning streak um, against, you know, pretty decent competition. But then they lost to the Hurricanes, and then they lost to the Ducks, um, who are not playing well. Um, most recently, they're coming off a three-to-one, excuse me, three-to-nothing victory over Calgary. Um, and prior to that, they lost six-to-nothing to the Jets. So they're kind of, they're, you know, they're, they're, they are what they are. They're an up-and-down team, but they've been playing better as of late. Um, Stat-wise, all your regular players are, are you know, leading the team. Eric Stahl is leading in points. He's leading with 31. He's leading in goals with 14. Ryan Suter leads them in assists, assists with 20. Uh, Ryan Hartman leads them in penalty minutes with 44. That's a hefty amount of penalty minutes. Um, and Carson Soucy leads them in uh, plus minus at plus 16, which is pretty impressive. Um, so they're they're playing a little bit better. Um, do I think they can sustain this? I don't know. I think you know I think they're kind of a, a weathered team. Um, they have a lot of a lot of experience on this team. Um, but it kind of shows in the play they're they're, they're an older team. Um, which can be good, but they don't have that that youth movement that Colorado has. So um, in terms of kind of team stats, 3.08 goals for game per game, 3.29 goals against per game. Um, and if you can get them in a penalty kill situation, you're in a good spot. Their penalty kill is not good. They are in the bottom third 
for penalty kill with 77%. And then their their power play is not the best either. They're in the bottom third for that, which is, I think, like 70. Here it is. Excuse me, yeah. For their, their, their power play percentage is 17.4%. So <clears throat> if you can... If you can get this team to commit penalties, which they do, um, you might be able to score some goals, and that is what the Avalanche need to improve on. Maybe this is the game if they can have uh, these, you know, wild players in a penalty box, uh, they can get some goals, and maybe this can kickstart something where they get some some new life in their power play because it's been pretty pretty. Bad. Maybe this is the game where they turn it around if they can get the the wild to make some stupid penalties which the Wild are prone to do. So uh, that's pretty much it for today, guys. I think the Avs are in a good spot um, playing this one at home. So they're going to want to stick it to their rival um, and kind of keep this momentum going from the, the Vegas Golden Knight game. So that should be it. We will probably... No, yeah, it's, it's a Friday game, so... We'll have the weekend off, and we'll come back on Monday. We'll summarize this game. Hopefully, Campbell Carr is back. And anything new that happened over the weekend, we will talk about it and see you guys on Monday. So I hope everyone had a good Christmas. Have a good weekend. And uh, we'll see you next week. Here's Joby. Go, Abs, go.